0: Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is the Jazz, the Youth, the Cougars. When it comes to the teams that you're passionate about, these guys have got you covered. Hi. This this is DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
1: DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His weekly appearance here is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good
2: morning. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm good. How are you? Why do you chuckle with my excitement to talk to you? Uh, Because it makes me laugh. (laughs) This is one of my top 25 things that happen every week. Oh, nice. Sweet. We made the AP top 25. I like it. That's right. The DL top 25.
2: You are on the DL top 25.
1: All right. What Jazz fans would like on their top 25 is a Jazz win in Milwaukee right now by 10 or 15. Solid looking performance. You grew up uh, with the uh, Carl Malone poster on the wall. Your fandom's well documented. Now you've been calling the games for, what, I don't know, about a decade? How long has it been? I think I went Year 12? Year 12. Okay. So year 12, you've seen a lot of stuff, you talked to a lot of people, if you had a magic wand right now, and you could wave it and fix one thing with the Jazz that would have the biggest impact, and get a win over the Bucks, and everyone's happy, uh, going to bed tonight, what would it be?
2: Oh, I mean, this is so simplistic, but and unfixable items, I mean, Donovan and Boyan just have to be better, right? Like, they are two best offensive players. This isn't I think we have some items that will be difficult and hard for us to fix throughout the year, but on the items that like I can wave a magic wand and get back to normal, like Boyan and Donovan are not Boyan and Donovan right now. So let's let's get them back to where they
3: need to be. You were talking about listening to you on the broadcast the other night that uh, you had some uh, numbers. Hi, BK, How are you? I'm doing you know, about as well as could be expected, mired in a two-game losing streak. My spirits are down, but I suppose that they'll rally over time and we'll be where we're all supposed to be. That's the way I look at life, but nevertheless, I go on. You were talking about Bogdanovich. He's better uh, with certain players out on the floor, and I remember Gobert, and I think there was somebody else. And rather than just tell me, okay, the numbers show – Can you dive into it a little bit better and explain as to why the numbers show what they show, that Bogdanovich is at his best when Gobert and and I think one or two others are out on the floor?
2: So last year they really matched Boyan's minutes almost entirely with Gobert, um, which means, you know, if he's coming off a pick, he's got an elite pick setter. He also has that rim-rolling force, and so um, you have he's probably getting a little bit better looks um and higher quality shots um particularly that corner 3 when when Rudy's on the floor and teams are so worried about that pick and roll or even if you know I don't think this shows numerically but when he's on the floor with Mike we can just kind of intuitively look at it and you know there's another elite level shooter um, defensively, I also think it's just a lot less burden on Bogey because he's got Rudy behind him. I think that was the premise of, of that decision last year was to put those two on the floor together. Um, so for defensive purposes, and honestly, I didn't really realize they did it until Boyan got hurt and we went to the bubble and I went to try to look up lineup numbers and there weren't any because Boyan and Rudy had been on the floor for every minute together almost. Um, They didn't do that to start this year. And Boyan's numbers, as you mentioned, were dramatically different with and without Rudy on the floor. Um, And so in the last game, we saw them move that substitution pattern back where they play together. The other one that I think you probably heard referenced is, you know, it's just familiarity Donovan and Derek. Have never had a great rhythm together. When Derek was with us, Donovan wasn't running the pick and roll as much as he is now. Joe was doing a lot of that. Donovan and Derek didn't have a great pick and roll communication report uh, either offensively or defensively two years ago and they haven't picked up one yet this year either so Donovan what the Jazz did last year was that Donovan Boyan and Rudy played almost all of those minutes together it's a little hard to go find statistically to show now because we have all those bubble minutes that don't have Boyan um, but of uh, Boyan's possessions almost all of them happened with Donovan and Rudy last year and I think they're heading back in that direction
1: with, with uh, Bogdanovich, um, you know, it's, it's a small sample size, it's a few games, so there's that. There's the thought that uh, I wonder if he is totally honest about how his wrist field and pushed to come back as soon as possible, and so maybe it's a little too early there. And then there's the more nagging concern, the surgery didn't fix whatever is wrong, and this is going to be a big problem going forward. Do you believe any one or any combination of those things?
2: Well, I think all of them are totally viable and we don't have enough data to know whether any of them's right. That wrist surgery is, you know, I haven't looked it up again, but when it happened, I remember kind of searching the internet and finding it and it was, it seems significant. Um, and you're dealing with a shoot, you know, you're dealing with a wrist on a shooting hand, right? Like, I mean, just intuitively. I think it's showing up around the rim. Uh, I believe my numbers are still accurate. I think he's 13 of 39 in the paint. Shooting to me, that's touch, and that would say that maybe you know it's a little stiff and it's not quite back to where it is. Um, the other thing I would say that I think is um, interesting about um, him is he said this himself in a press conference the other day that he doesn't like to to wear anything, and that's true. Like if and I've talked to him about this before. If you if you look, he doesn't wear sleeves, he doesn't wear leggings, he doesn't like things touching his body. When he's playing, I actually think he was late to tape ankles. I don't know what his status on that is now, but I know he told me that when he was young, he never wanted to tape his ankles. Uh, he might have come around on that over time, um, but he he doesn't like to have things on him. So the fact that he's wearing something tells me that he's bothered by it.
3: When you say Donovan needs to play better, is it a matter of just simply making more shots, or there's deeper than that? I want to make the most
2: un-numbers comment I've maybe ever made, and I kind of hate it because I like to be able to back up things, and I don't like these type of comments. So, But I'm going to just throw it out. I don't feel like he's in sync with his teammates. I don't feel like time and place and score and flow of the game is matching – what he needs and what his teammates need. And so that's probably what I'm talking about. Now, there's two other ones, like his off-the-bounce three is at about 24%. I think there's three players in the league that are worse than him right now on off-the-bounce threes, like Anthony Edwards is one of them. It's interesting, Luca's one of them. I don't know about after last night. Bradley Beal, before his 60-point, was one of them. So, I mean, it's really good players. It's not something that's going to last, but he's got to get that off-the-bounce three going a little bit. Um, and then that floater is always a little bit of a struggle. But, I mean, he's shooting, what, 31% from three right now? So, I mean, that like, I could just look on numbers there and say that. But I do feel like – I don't know. I just don't feel like there's I, – I, I can't put it I – mean, does anybody else feel this? Am I on my island here? Like, is this a no, stupid I, thought on my part? Like, I, are I, you? Do you hear what I'm saying a little I, bit?
1: I do, and two things come to mind. Uh, if If you're shooting poorly – the number one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven things you need to do is just get back in the gym, get up 100 shots, get up 500, get a 1,000, whatever the problem is, do it over and over. Repetition, you'll get in a groove. If you're a shooter, you will figure it out if you just keep shooting. I don't know in COVID times when they're on the road what kind of access they have to gyms and how much that's possible. And then the other thing is when you had a playoff series like Donovan Mitchell had, I wonder what's going through Donovan's mind if it's like, Hey, I'm the star. I'm the guy. I'm supposed to be able to go and fix this, not just for myself, but for the whole team. I, I, sh- I should be able to just take and go fix it. Balance versus, hey, we put this into the blender. Whoever gets the shot gets the shot, but we get these guys in a scramble. Somebody to get a wide open shot. I wonder how much he has those two competing thoughts in his mind.
0: Yeah,
2: I think you're, I feel like there have been, I got to get myself going shots that don't match what the team needed at that moment. Um, because I think in his mind, he thinks he has to get himself going for the team, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not Donovan's the best. Like there's not a it's not a bad thought in his head here. Like don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Donovan's the best. Like, um but he's you know, and I think there's a lot of pressure to follow up that performance, right? Like, I mean, he was pretty great in the in the, and so I think there's a lot of pressure on him on like, well, am I a star? And I just got paid and. You know, so what am I? I think there's a lot of that that's going on. Also, that you, um, um, that, you know, you have to try to figure out how you're playing inside of that realm and, and self expectations. Um, so I just think there's a lot. And then I mean, frankly, Donovan on his con- on his uh, um, press conference about his contract, when asked about what he thought had kind of changed the most for him. He said, "Well, my off the bounce three is what's really changed my game and who you know who I am." Well, you know he knows that he's taking the seventh most of anyone in the league right now, um, and he's hitting 20% of them. So um, he knows that's an important shot. He just it's not it's not going in for him right now. And you know the other guys that are struggling like he is, other than Anthony Edwards, have all taken about 10 of them. So it's a vital, It's in Luka, Luka's taking 37, and, and they're all, you know, they're scuff, those guys are all scuffling with that shot right now. I think, um, I do think that's an early season shot, and your body's not quite right early season. You're not on perfect balance. You're not at your elite peak, and I think that there's some, you know, he may just be that, that that's just got to get right.
3: So, speaking of early season, we're still obviously in that, and as you look at the standings, the top of the East is the Sixers, and the top of the West is the Suns. What's real right now in the league? Got no idea. I
2: really don't. And I can't figure out, because of the unique scheduling, like, you know, like, everyone wants to say Philadelphia is real, okay? Oh, Phil, like, they're like, right, you agree with me? Like, everyone's talking about Philadelphia. Okay, they lost to Brooklyn last night without Kevin Durant and without
1: um, – Kyrie Irving.
2: Kyrie Irving. Have you looked at who they've played so far this year? Because we have this wacky schedule where, like, you play a bunch of teams twice. Like, everyone's just in love with Philadelphia, who's 7-2 and two now. Here, They played the Wizards twice, the Knicks once, the Cavaliers, who they lost to, the Raptors, the Magic. They played a back-to-back with Charlotte at home. And then Brooklyn, like, so they, I mean, the Knicks are okay, but otherwise like their big win is Orlando. I get. I mean, they just haven't played anyone and they haven't traveled at all. Orlando, who's what, six and two? Like played yeah. a doubleheader against the Wizards, played a doubleheader against the Cavaliers and played a doubleheader against the Oklahoma City Thunder.
0: How, how do we have any idea who these teams are?
1: There's only three teams with winning records in the West right now. And so I'm wondering if, uh, and, and there are a bunch of teams at 500, but tomorrow morning that number could change dramatically, right? But there's three teams with winning records in the West. I'm wondering are how much is the basketball being impacted by the no fans, uh, the inability to, to practice or do shoot-arounds, uh, depending on what city you're in and on the road and all that kind of stuff. How much of this is complete weirdness that is just going to be part of this season. We're all going to have to get used to it, but people like me who like to look at trends over years in the NBA should just throw that out all the window because this year is going to be really different.
2: I I think that's the answer. I'm just having a hard time. Like I think Phoenix deserves like Phoenix's feels pretty real. They play like a normal schedule. They've played just games. They've traveled a little bit. They did play a back to back doubleheader against the Kings where they lost one of them. Um, but they feel like somewhat legitimate the way they're playing right now. And I think we all thought they'd be good. And then the questions can be how long the hamstring lasts on Chris Paul. Um, I think the Clippers have played like a fairly normal schedule. They've played no strange back-to-back games, but they've just been weird in some of their losses, right? They've lost to Dallas by 50. They weren't very good against us. They lost to the Spurs and then they were okay against the Warriors. Um, but they're doing the back-to-back thing now against the Warriors. So, Um, they've played a fairly normal schedule. So, it's yeah, I I don't have any feeling. I mean, you can look at some things. Like I think Cleveland's forcing opponents into 20% of their possessions into turnovers. Okay, well, that can't last. You know, frankly, teams are shooting 42% against us from three. That can't last either. Um, I think Phoenix has teams shooting about 28% from three against them last time I checked. That can't last. So there are all these little numbers that are out there that, that skew things a little bit right now and then the scheduling. And then you pointed out the shoot arounds. We're shooting around today. It's the first time all year. It's the, I'm stunned because we just, you know, we have to, but to shoot around right now is so difficult. Um, and maybe cause Milwaukee, everything's so close, you can do it. But to shoot around right now, you have to get everybody tested. Or you have to get everyone to take the test. Then you have to get the test sent to wherever the testing facility is. Then the testing facility has to process them. Then everyone has to be negative. What's this, two hours? Are we at two hours at this point, do you think?
3: Yeah, I think.
2: Then you can leave the hotel to go to the arena, to practice, to shoot around. But not until that's done can you start a shoot around. So now Milwaukee, where the hotel is two minutes to the arena and probably, therefore, two minutes to the testing facility – maybe you're able to do this. But in New York, you can't shoot around. And frankly, in Utah, it's hard. Like, even on a home day, if you, and I think our testing, I don't know where the testing is, but I think it's all, like, I think they actually have testing capabilities in the facilities now, is what I've read in the latest NBA protocols. I'm not certain of that for us. I don't don't know how it works. But let's say it is. Even then, you probably have a 45-minute lag by the time you test and get all the results and can practice. So, You know, shoot-arounds at 10, well, if you want to get an hour and a half of work in before shoot-around, what are you coming in at, 7.30? So as Quinn keeps saying, like, every practice and shoot-around has to be weighed against sleep and rest for your players, and players have their routines that they want to do. And so if you want to get your routine after shoot-around, which is you leave at 11.30, have your lunch, take your nap by, you know, noon or 1, be up by 3, get to the arena by 4.30, and you're going to do shoot-around at 10 to do that, and you got to do your testing, then everyone's probably got to be in the building by 8.00. Well, that screws that a lot up. So this is really complicated this year. So I think we, I have no idea. Um I, you know, I can look at the numbers, right? And so um one of the numbers I think is really important is your effective, your location field goal percentage for defense. We're fourth in the league. Okay. That's a great sign. We'll get that. We'll get, we'll be good right now. We're allowing um half our shots at the rim that we'll fix that. And we'll be the number one or two. Um, location defense in the league. That's super important over the long course of the season because things even out. Um, you know, the Knicks look really good. Teams are shooting 29% on, against the Knicks from three. That's not sustainable. It'll get up to 34%. Even if they're the best in the league, it'll get to 34%. We're last in the league right now. Teams are shooting 41% from three against us. It's never happened in the history of the game that someone's done that for a whole season and it's not going to happen this year. So even if you're the, the worst three point shooting defense in the league, which we're not going to be that number last year, I think was, you know, 37% or something like that. It's just, so that, that'll get, it was 38% last year. It'll get fixed. Um, so I think, um, I think there's a bunch of things that are heading, you know, that'll even out over time. here.
3: How about the soft turnovers are kind of driving me crazy. What do they need to do to fix those? Uh,
2: pass with two hands? Does that seem good? Sure. It's actually yeah. not true. It's actually not true because, frankly, in the NBA, you do have to throw a bunch of one-handed passes. But, boy, it feels like all of our little soft one-hand. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm not a – like, there's – I hate turnover. The stat, I think it's a really misleading stat. The stat to look at is opponent steals. And our opponents are, I think, have 11 steals in the last two games, Each each game. Uh, 13, 11, and 11. That's outrageous. So 10% of our possessions right now, we're giving up a live ball turnover. That's not okay.
1: And it seems like a lot of them are guys who are dribbling out near half court, and you have told us over and over again about, hey, when you when you lose the ball there, and it's just you know it's one on none or two on one for a layup or a dunk, and that's right. that's gonna that's gonna beat you pretty quickly. But it's it's multiple guys. I mean, getting their pocket picked is the announcer cliche, and I'm hearing it over and over. It's not all bad passes. It's guys losing the ball on the dribble. Well, let's
2: go to gambling for a second. What's the line in most games?
1: Oh, it seems like it's five points. I mean, it's okay. a lot of games. Right. Yeah, five or yep. six.
2: So, and I think the steal average in the league is seven per game. I think it's six or seven. So if we're suddenly giving up three or four more live ball turnovers a night, you know, one of one, you're losing a point for your own half court possession at that point. Okay. And then the difference between someone taking the ball out of bounds or coming up the, you know, off a turnover, the average in the league last, I think, let me pull it up. Last year, I think was, you know, is about point four, point five points per possession, if you if it's off a live turnover. So um, half court possession is a one point oh and six, and a live ball is a one point two six. So it's point two. So you. You go kill your own chances to get a a possession, cost you about a point. You're giving them a fast-break layup the other way. It's costing you about half a point. You do that three times a night, that's the line,
0: right? Yeah.
2: Like, it. this is why Rick Carlisle said to me, he called them fatal turnovers. He says he's changed it now to catastrophic. Um, He said to me once, you do that three times a night, you lose. He says it's just almost impossible. Math. You have to be... So exceptional, if you give up the above-the-free-throw line live ball turnover that they take the other way for the dunk three times a night, you'll lose. And we're, that's kind of what we've done the last few games. Now, we lost by 34 in one of them, so I'm not sure it impacted the game. But in the Knicks game, you know, Austin Rivers' little weird flurry and the, there's a two-play sequence where we do everything right and they do everything wrong and they actually get dividends and we don't, doesn't matter as much if you're up six
1: than if you're tied. We'll get there. Good. So one thing a lot of people have tweeted at us about is uh, the, the smaller perimeter player. There's a history of that player. Uh, we used to refer to them as point guards, but some of them shoot too much, and point guard doesn't seem like exactly the right term. But a smaller perimeter player who is, if not quick, at least elusive, Uh, has really hurt the Jazz and had some huge games, and that the Jazz don't have anybody who's exactly right to defend that. Some of the guys who have more size maybe don't have the quickness. Some of the guys who have the quickness don't have the size. Um, you know, we can go through some of the great teams in NBA history, and they had three six, six guys who could just stick to a six one guy all over the court and just be an enormous problem. The Jazz don't seem to have that. Uh, is that going to lead to some type of trade over the year, or is there someone down the bench who's going to work their way into rotation? Will it lead to some kind of change, or is this just something that this group of guys, this eight- or nine-man rotation, is just going to try to figure out and live with?
2: Um, I mean, I think it's a weakness. It's kind of, you know, for all the strengths we have, you gotta have some weaknesses. That's it. Um, the number one isolation defender in the NBA last year was Rudy. A lot of that's in the post. And so it's a little misleading, but actually, um, I know someone who ran some numbers on isolation defense on the perimeter and Rudy was top 10. Um, so maybe a willingness to switch more than we've had before. And so that it's hard, that Rudy ends up guarding Dame and Jamal and those guys out at, at 30 feet, but hopefully that's getting the ball out of their hands and then they're giving it up to somebody else and then Rudy somehow has to get back and defend. Um, but Rudy is our best perimeter defender as well as our best interior defender.
1: Clone Rudy. <laughs> be
2: so good if we could have five Rudys. I don't know how we'd bring the ball to the floor, but nobody would ever score.
1: That wouldn't be a very entertaining game. No,
2: that would be really boring. Rudy lobs to Rudy and Rudy dunks.
1: Yeah. All right, David, we will leave it right there. We appreciate the time. Thanks Thanks. for joining us, and we will hear you on the broadcast tonight. The pregame with Jake Scott and Tim LaCombe is at 5, and then you are up at 6 with the Booner. All right. See you, guys. All right, see See you. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. When we come back, everything you missed in this show in one quick, tight segment. Next.
0: For many of our listeners, the daily grind begins at 6 a.m. sharp. Wake up! But for some of our uh, slightly less ambitious listeners, this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock, where the heck have you been, slacker headlines. Wake up! With DJ and PK. On 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to get you up to date on all the stuff we've been talking about in this show. We had Cindy Bourne on from the Washington Post to talk NFL wildcard weekend. There are six games. There are multiple storylines. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady and the Bucks, who are on TV here, I think, 13 of their 16 games. I mean, what a, the guy is such a story you know, that, that his games have to be pumped into Utah when he's playing in New England and Tampa Bay. Tell you that, I mean, he's just the guy. He's the biggest celebrity the league's got. It's not close. And you, can he do it again? I wouldn't think so. They ought to win this game. They're vulnerable to a big pass rush, as most quarterbacks are, as the Giants uh, took the Patriots down twice with a good four-man pass rush. And it's Alex Smith. The former Ute, who is not healthy, and Cindy said he wasn't healthy, and the calf is a concern, and he's not moving well. Can they pull some kind of massive upset? That is one of the many storylines out there. But you are focused on the first game of the weekend, an AFC showdown between two, quote, small market teams, teams that are largely off the national radar, but uh, an up-and-coming quarterback against a vet who's been to the playoffs many times.
3: Yeah, obviously Philip Rivers there on the other side. He's been around the league a long, long time. And then you got Josh Allen, which is a who is a quarterback on the come. And I love watching Buffalo play. I've watched them three or four times with the NFL ticket, maybe not start to finish. Probably if I include uh, when I watch them, it's probably about 10 or 11 times, not necessarily their entire games, maybe three to four their entire games. And they, they seem to lean like a team that's ready to explode out on the scene. You know, Buffalo's obviously big-time small market. I went to college with a guy from Buffalo. It just was a hard, hardcore <laughs> Buffalo Bills fan. And I just remember the passion that he had, and it stuck with me all this time. Uh, and it's like I relate it to here, you know, the jazz. You just don't have a lot of jazz fans out in the world. We got a lot in our state, obviously. And I felt I always felt that way with Buffalo. You know, you those folks up there – And you think of Buffalo, and you think of twenty feet of snow, right? And so you think, man, that's that's like Green Bay without the success. And they've had times where they've been good, but obviously they have not uh, been that good. And is this? I don't know that this is their time, but is their time coming? You know, if they win a game or two, wow, man, they got a ton of momentum going into next season. And Josh Allen kid from one I always love the story that you know the under recruited guy oh, who he's rises that guy. up. yeah he really yeah. is he, he really is and so I want to see him have success
1: he grew up in a small town outside of Fresno 45 minutes away steve talked about it. it's a one high school town it's very much a farm community had to go to a junior college also in the middle of nowhere and then had one offer to go to wyoming and then he ends up in buffalo he's a small town guy all the way but they not only are they 13 and 3 they won 9 of their last 10 games In that run, they beat the Steelers and beat them soundly. They also outscored the Seahawks in a shootout, so they've beaten playoff teams in that run. Their losses this year, you may remember the Hail Mary to the Cardinals, the single most incredible play of the pro football season. I mean, just...
3: And it's not even close. That's an
1: awesome... Well, I said pro football season because... That hurdle in the Bama game, that was, that was pretty awesome, too. Uh, the other losses are Titans and Chiefs, obviously teams they could see in, in the playoffs. That was all the way back in Week 5 and 6, and, you know, stuff changes over the course of time. So keep your eye on the Bills. All their numbers have gotten a lot better in the second half of the season. Uh, we talked about some of the other matchups, uh, the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, Cleveland's not going to have their coach ready for a, a one-time waiver. Uh, Cindy was like, man, once you once you allow that, can you ever go back? I think you can. You can just say, pandemic, one-off, coach is allowed. He can have communications. He can be on a cell phone with somebody in the booth. But they're not going to do it. The NFL's holding firm. It is what it is. Deal with it.
3: Or be at home uh, and have various ways to communicate. Uh, you know, I think they can overcome it. Uh because you know your, your coaching to a large degree should be done in the week, but you have these teams there, who's available, whose facilities are being closed down mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It's like you know we acknowledge that big time with college football because so many games, or particularly with the Pac-12, obviously the league we care about, they weren't playing that many games and games were canceled and all that stuff. The NFL has managed to play games, but they also have been dealing with a bunch of issues so do we knock that down a little bit? Uh, well, we love our NFL football so much that we don't want to. So it's like, well, just deal with it, and I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> we haven't really focused on all the I, issues that the NFL has had to deal with each
1: week. And I think that's been consistent across all of pro sports. They've all been very different. This, you know, but because it was the Lakers and Dodgers who'd already been in the mix, they rolled with it. Now, if we end up with a Bears versus somebody Super Bowl, uh, <laughs> then I think, you know, if the Bears win it all, we're gonna say, well, that was a freak year. But if you end up with the Chiefs and the Packers, again, I think it's good enough. Well, they've been good for a while, and they were both one seed, so eh, you know, not that big a deal. I think we'll blow it off. But if we end up with some you know, weird scenario. The thing Cindy brought up is, well, why not push the whole playoffs back a week? I, you know, they only get to do that once, and I think they're saving it in case they need to do it in an AFC or NFC title game. And I think in the wild card round, the thing oh, the Browns probably are going to Why do you only get anyway. to do that once? I mean, because, well, you could move the Super Bowl back. <laughs> but without moving the Super Bowl back, you only have one week in the calendar to play with. So yeah, I, but I if, think they'll if they will play
3: two soccer games, the most grueling sport in a week. I think they can play football.
1: Love your sarcasm, thank you. <laughs> uh, we've talked a lot of jazz and bucks. There are many points to be made, and you've got about three minutes, PK. So make one. <laughs> the biggest thing that people should take away from the show with oh, the well, jazz I mean, and the bucks. Come on. the bucks stop here. Simple as that. Nice. <laughs> Uh, David Locke was just on said, well, if there's one thing you want, you just want uh, Donovan Mitchell and Bojan Bogdanovic to shoot it the way they shoot it. These are, if you're going to say two guys on the team are going to score 20 points a game, which is what happened last year, Donovan was over it, obviously, but two guys get to that mark, it's those two guys, and those two guys are both shooting around 30% right now uh, from three and only a little better than that on their overall field goal percentage. They should both be shooting much better, and if they were, the Jazz wouldn't be in a seven-way tie for fourth in the West at 4-4. Four and four.
3: So. And if that's it, if that is the crux of the issue in a nutshell, then I feel great about this team. Yeah.
1: Well, I think there's always 100 things, so I don't want to say that's it because there's a whole list of other things, but you get points for the ball going in the basket. Really? shootings really really important and all the other stuff that leads to a shot being contested or not contested is important but at the end you got to make shots you do everything right and then you miss a wide open shot well good for you but you miss the shot so I don't think that's the only thing but it's certainly a major thing and you're right you would think that you are who you are at the end of a season so that these numbers can't last because that's not who these guys are
3: No and I agree with you it's not the only thing but I think when you say the crux of, that points to are other things, but this is the most major, the most significant. And if that is the most significant, recognizing that there are, hence the crux, is not mean exclusively and solely. It means one of several, but this is the thing that you're highlighting the most. If that really is the issue, then I feel fine because those things – even out, and these two have been in the league enough to know that these are the types of players that they are. There's variance in a stretch of games or a week or two weeks or whatever it is, but they're going to be where they have been. Those are facts because that's who they are. It's, it's not a trend. It's just the an actual – it's not even a pattern. It's just the – existence of reality so to speak in a cumbersome manner and i think that that's where those guys are so if that's all i'm not so sure that that's exclusively the issue or not exclusively but is the crux but if you want to argue that it is well then they're going to be good to go here probably very soon
1: uh the thing we have not talked about in this show uh footballscoop.com is reporting that baylor and jeff grimes are going to hire away eric mateos uh big raise for him and uh, Power 5 money and all that kind of stuff, which leads to a question for a show next week, PK. But when you don't have that Power 5 money coming in, at what level do you have it coming in? How big time do you want to be? How much do you want to let guys leave and turn them over and then replace them with new guys? And how long do you get to hold on to those guys? And how big time does you want to be?
3: Well, they want to be big time that's what they want to be i don't think there's any question about that that we all we all would agree on that but are they what am i looking for are they putting in the necessary financial commitment in order to be big time i want to be the world's best whatever i want to be the best shape that i could be in let's just leave it individually right everybody would agree hey i want to be in the best shape that i want to be in well There's two significant things that I really need to do. One, most significantly, is I need to eat clean, and then I need to exercise. And if I'm not doing those, well, then the rest of it is just to talk. Or if I'm just kind of half-hearted, say I'm exercise and okay but I don't really watch what I eat and as you get older you just simply have to do that even more those are facts right so I'm just talking a good game but I'm putting a little effort or I'm putting in 50 60 75 percent of my effort well I got to be at 100 percent really is BYU 100 percent in now that doesn't If the answer is no it's not like they're the only program out there that isn't but don't really expect to play and com- not just play because you can play but compete at a big-time level if you do not, do not have the financial thing. And if you just look at every single coach, and I don't necessarily know this, but if you look at going down the line, oh, uh, Mateo's got this offer. Good luck to you, son. I mean, we're not even going to bother trying to see what we can do. You know what I mean? If, if that's the case, here's our salary, take it or leave it, well, then you're not even really close to having the commitment that you need.
1: Best offensive line that they've had in, I don't know, 20, 25 years? 100. (laughs) Okay. And maybe that's more the guys than the coach, and they can sustain. They need to sustain this level of offensive line play. And if they can't sustain it, then can they sustain 95% of it or 90% of it? But they can't go back to the way it was. This was clearly much better. Zach Wilson, and that jersey's clean at the end of one game after another. No old grass stains all over the thing.
3: No, his mother had more grass stains because she's very animated during games, as you know.
1: The grass angels there, they really mess up the clothes.
3: I feel like I've never met Lisa, but I feel like I just know her so well. The other day, she cleaned out her uh, refrigerator of all the junk that was in there. The thing you learn on Instagram, I feel like I'm a part
1: of the family. DJ and PK. (laughs) PK's (laughs) living in the guest house. (laughs) I'm at the motel. I'm at the motel six down the street. I'm wondering what's her day like going
3: to be today. I'm wondering what she's going to do Uh, for the weekend. These are things that I have to know.
1: You go right to Instagram and you find out. And you the housewives of Draper. I need (laughs) to know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us.
0: Another show comes to an end. Comes to an end. It's time to hear from you. Is this live right now? from your calls, tweets, and open mics, this is the best feedback of the day. This is why we lost the game. Presented by Strong Audi. On 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Oh, bogey, take your broken wing and learn to shoot again, or you can't do a thing. And if your wrist is still that sore, it might be best for
1: us if you weren't on the floor. Ah, a little music to wrap up the show. It's a beautiful thing, PK. Well, that was from the Broken Wings request yesterday. That <laughs> all was right. very good. We need to put the feedback on hold, though. There's big sports news. You and I both lived in Southern California for a long stretch, and he was a personality bigger than all of California. Tommy Lasorda has passed away. The yeah. Dodgers have put out an announcement. Just a massive personality. And uh, coaching and managing uh, with the Dodgers through the glory years, World Series, incredible stories. There's a million things to say, and we only got a couple minutes to say them. Uh, they point out in the, uh, in the statement they put up on social media survived by his wife of 70 years, Joe, Joe married yeah. in ni- in April of 1950. So they got to celebrate yeah, a 70th yeah, wedding anniversary. That is so rare. And then also uh, he did get to go to Texas to see the Dodgers win a World Series, the first since 88 when he was a manager and Kurt Gibson, and we know that story. So that was a source of much happiness he always would refer to. You've heard it a million times, PK, the great Dodger in the sky. Tommy Lasorda has... Uh, has passed away at the age of 93 uh, to go to go see the great Dodger in the sky, as Tommy would say.
3: I never covered the Dodgers as a beat, but I was working in Southern California for many years. There's so many games that you do vacation relief and you got to give the regular guy time off. So I've covered many games in Dodger Stadium and been in his office many times over and interviewed him, not on a one-on-one basis, but with groups of people. And he was the ultimate showman. I mean, he was the ultimate promoter of baseball, the ultimate promoter of Dodgers. He's an Italian from the East Coast, and I'm half Italian from the East Coast, so I felt like I had a kinship to him. I know those types of guys, and yeah, he was just an absolute 100% legend. Number two, Tommy Lasorda, absolutely. They talk about resting in peace. What a life that he lived. It was amazing. A complete and total overachiever, and uh, it's sad.
1: He had a lot of ties to this area. He, uh, on his way uh, up the chain to the Dodgers, the Dodger affiliate was up in Ogden. So he was in Ogden with them and uh, came back. And as you say, was a big promoter of baseball. When the Grand America was brand new, he had some kind of media availability and I had to go over there for it. And I don't remember what he was pumping up. I mean, it was basically, it was baseball. Uh, I don't remember specifically what it was. And uh, (laughs) and they're like, it's in the whatever room. What's the back of Grand America? It was like a 10-minute walk. Apparently, it was, you know, like half the distance out to Terminal B at the airport, if you've seen all the complaining on you social hear media about that. a mile away, though. Yeah, and they had someone walk walk me back there, and there was Tommy, and he was holding court. He had a bunch of people around him, and they were hanging on every word, and they were all smiling and laughing, and he was telling stories about who knows what, and then they did the, you know, three or four minutes that he talked to me before he went off to talk to somebody else for three or four minutes. Tons of enthusiasm, selling it, fired up, opinionated. It was awesome. He was very good to me when I was brand new PK, and I was working in radio in Santa Barbara, and I had just started. And we went down to um, uh, Dodger Stadium and a pregame media availability, and I was very, very much wet behind the ears in total in awe of walking across the crushed rock and into the dugout to talk to Tommy. And the question came out of my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, did, did somebody just hit me in the head? Did I have a concussion? And he looked at me funny like, uh, is someone supposed to be with him? is there?" One? But then he just, like, took it and just ran with an answer. And it was so bad, I had to edit out the questions and just use his answers. I couldn't have possibly have run that. It was horrible. But, man, he cut me slack when he could have just annihilated me. Go
3: on YouTube, man. There's a million things. Put in the one where he has to take, uh, I think it's Doug Rao out of the World Series. That's a classic. Classic. Oh, my gosh. He could swear with the best of them.
1: The Kingman rant, (laughs) he puts that on full display. It is out there both edited and unedited. So if you're going to play it for somebody, know your audience. (laughs) There's both versions available. Make sure you choose wisely.
3: Uh, Well, kids listen to music today. I don't need to know that you're choosing wisely. Just do it at home. Well, choosing wisely, (laughs) I mean, there are people who
1: definitely want to hear it unedited. You just have to know who that is and give it to them unedited. (laughs) But if you're going to play it for a five-year-old, they haven't heard the music yet.
3: Mm, OK, if you say so. But, uh, uh, yeah, he could swear unbelievably. He could yeah. eat. Uh, just uh, what a, what a character. We don't have characters like that anymore. I don't I don't I don't think so, especially with the replay. It's basically regulated the guys to the dugout.
1: Yeah. Get on the phone, make the motion, throw the uh, throw the flag, whatever your sport says. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.